the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. They receive Jesus for what he might do for them, but they're not willing to honor him with their lives as Christ, as Savior, as King of Kings, as Lord of Lords. They receive him because, you know, they, they want him to answer prayers. Uh, they want him to bless them. They want his blessing on their lives. Hashtag blessed, right? That's what they want. They, they, they want his favor, but they're not willing to honor him as the Christ. Is your relationship with Jesus centered around what he can do for you? For many of us, instead of submitting to God and living a life that honors him, the only time we spend even thinking about him is when we're asking him to help us through some trial or help us get something we want. As Pastor Dan will challenge you in today's message, being saved is not characterized by enjoying your material blessings, but surrendering your personal desires to live a life focused on glorifying and serving God. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 4 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Verse 43, we're told now, picking up the story today. Now, after the two days that he was in Samaria, Jesus departed from there and he went to Galilee. Galilee, of course, is where Jesus grew up. He grew up in Nazareth, which is in the Galilee. So he goes back to where he's from, back to his, his old stomping grounds. He's back in his home, home country where people knew him, uh, where they knew him the best. And he goes back to Galilee. Now look at verse 44. Okay. Verse 44 begins with the word for. For. Now that word for there, it's an important word. It's a conjunction. For means the reason that Jesus went back to Galilee was because of what John's about to say in verse 44. Jesus went back to Galilee for or because he himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Now, this is mind-blowing to me. Maybe not so much to you, but you just read it for the first time. I've been reading it all week and thinking about it. Jesus was honored in Samaria. He's honored as the Christ, the Savior of the world. And John's gospel seems to say here, that he intentionally left Samaria where he was honored and went to Galilee to his own country where he grew up to the people that knew him best who didn't honor him for who he is. They didn't honor him 
as the Christ, as the Savior of the world. And, and he, he knows that. He intentionally goes there knowing that they dishonor him there in the Galilee. And this isn't a, a total surprise. John chapter 1, verse 11 said he came to his own and his own did not receive him. And those in the Galilee did not receive him as the Christ, as the Savior of the world. They didn't honor him there like they did down in Samaria. Now, we see examples of this elsewhere in the Gospels. I just want to uh, show you a couple. Uh, so turn with me over to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country. So now he's back up in the Galilee. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Jesus came from a really large family. Look what it says at the end of verse 3. So they were all offended at him. They were offended. But Jesus said to them in verse 4, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Some of you are going to experience that at Christmas when you go and spend Christmas with your family. Right? Now look at verse 5. Now he could do no mighty works there. Isn't that interesting? Except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Verse, verse 6, uh, well, we're told here that they did not honor him for who he is. They were offended by him. Uh, we're told in verse 5, he could not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Because they didn't believe that he's the Christ. That he's the Son of God. That he's the Savior of the world. And so he could not do many, uh, many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And verse 6 says that Jesus actually marveled at their unbelief. Now, that, that's something that's noteworthy. There's only two times that we see Jesus marvel in the Bible. The other time is when he marvels at the faith of a Roman centurion. Remember the story where the centurion comes to him and, and Jesus starts to go with him. He's going to heal his servant. And the centurion says, you don't need to come. Hey, I'm a man under authority. I know how authority works. You just give the command and he'll be healed, but you don't need to come. You don't need to physically be there to heal somebody. And Jesus marveled at the faith of a Roman, a Roman centurion. Here, he marvels at the unbelief of his own countrymen. The only two times you see Jesus marvel. At, at faith from a Roman Gentile pagan, and the unbelief of his own countrymen who should be the ones who get it. They're offended by him. They reject him. They don't honor him. Another example, you don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 4, uh, another example of when uh, Jesus was not honored by his own people. And Luke 4 is when he taught in the synagogue in Nazareth, uh, his, his home church, if you will. Uh, and, you, and if you remember the story, he gets up to, to read in the synagogue in his hometown. And he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 61. That was the assigned reading for that particular day. 
And it's a passage of scripture that describes the ministry of the Messiah when he comes. And Jesus used that opportunity to announce that he's the Messiah. He used that opportunity to, to announce to his, to his own people, his hometown, that he's the Messiah. And if you remember the congregation, by the end of it, they, they didn't honor him for sure. By the end of it, uh, they were so offended by Jesus, they dragged him out of the city over a mile to a cliff and tried to push him off a cliff and kill him. They didn't honor him. They didn't honor him in his own town. He had no honor in his own country from his own people. But what we see here back in John chapter 4 is that Jesus intentionally went back there. He went from a place where he was honored to a place where he was not honored. So he could continue to reveal himself to his own people. God's desire is for all people to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. He's not willing that anyone would perish in their sins and be separated from God. And so he, he pursues us. And he keeps going and keeps coming. He doesn't give up. Because he loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to spend eternity with us. And we, we see here in John chapter 4, Jesus goes back to Galilee knowing that they're not going to honor him there, that ultimately they're going to reject him. Now look at verse 45, though. Upon first reading of verse 45, uh, it sounds like it's a contradiction to verse 44. Verse 44, he says, a prophet has no honor in his own country. But then we come to verse 45. So when he came into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had, had gone to the feast. So, so how can John say here, a prophet has no honor in his hometown, therefore he came to Galilee and they received him? It doesn't make sense. Well, listen, listen, give me your attention. There is a difference, and that's, that's what John's pointing out. It's what the Holy Spirit's pointing out here. There is a difference between honoring Jesus for who he is and receiving Jesus because of what he can do. There is a difference between honoring Jesus for who he is and receiving Jesus because of what he can do for you. The Galileans here, they received Jesus because they saw the miracles he did in Jerusalem at the Passover. They received him because of what he can do for them. They received Jesus, but they didn't honor him as their savior. They didn't honor him as Christ. They didn't honor him as God and they, they, they were excited about the miracles. They received him because he's a miracle worker. They received him uh, because of what he could do for them, but they weren't willing to honor him for who he is. So there's a difference here. And there are people who, who receive Jesus, but they don't honor Jesus. They receive Jesus for what he might do for them, but they're not willing to honor him with their lives as Christ as Savior, as King of Kings, as Lord of Lords. And they receive him because, you know, they, they want him to answer prayers. Uh, they want him to bless them. They want his blessing on their lives. Hashtag blessed, right? That's what they want. They, they, they want his favor, but they're not willing to honor him as the Christ, as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world, as God incarnate as the one who, who left heaven 
and left glory and left honor and humbled himself and came down to this earth and became a man, took on human flesh and laid down his life and died on that cross for our sins. That's what the Christmas story is really about. And so there are people, even today, there are people that, yeah, I, 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 man, I want Jesus. And they receive him because they want something from him. They want the answer prayer. They want the blessing. But they don't honor him. They don't esteem him for who he is. Essentially, they use Jesus. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. They use Jesus to meet their own needs. Jesus is a means to an end for them. And that's all he was to the Galileans. That's why they receive him. He's a free lunch. Man, you, you show up and he's, if you just got a couple pieces of fish and a couple pieces of bread, he'll feed everybody. He's a free lunch. He's a miracle worker. Basically, they, they are coming to Jesus, as many people still do today. They're coming to Jesus saying, I've got a problem. Fix it. Instead of saying, I've got sin. Forgive it. Just cleanse me. Change me. Transform me. Renew me. You know, Give me the power by your spirit to live a life that is right in your eyes. They're not interested in that. They're just interested in the blessing part of it. They're not interested in Jesus being their Lord, being their Savior, being their King. And what's remarkable to me in this passage about Jesus here is that Jesus uh, went to these people in Galilee knowing that that was their attitude toward him. I don't know about you, but I suspect you're like me. If I know someone is just trying to use me and has no interest in a relationship with me, they're just trying to use me to get something from me that I have or to get me to do something for them that they want, I don't want to have anything to do with that person. I'm going to try to avoid that person because they're just a user. But Jesus is not, he's not like me. <laughs> he goes back to the Galilee knowing that they're just looking for a miracle worker and not a savior. Now look at verse 46. Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. That's where he performed his first miracle back in chapter 2. The first sign that showed that he's the Christ, the son of God. Cana was about 10 miles from Nazareth. Now look what happens. And there at Cana, there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. I love all these references to geography here. So Jesus is in Cana. As he's in Cana, a certain nobleman, we're not told his name, whose son was sick at Capernaum. This nobleman comes to Jesus. Now this word nobleman here of your note taker, it's the Greek word basilikos, basilikos. You've heard of a basilica before. Basilica is a large church, right? Uh, down in Baltimore, there's the Baltimore Basilica. It's the oldest cathedral in the United States. 
in Jesus's day, a basilica was a Roman government building. You know, before the church, a basilica was a Roman government building. It's like a courthouse or the, you know, the, the county government building. It was a Roman government building uh, in, in a town or for a region. The nobleman is a basilicos, which means he was a Roman government official who worked for the Roman government, who worked for the king. Uh, and if you have the NIV, he's described as a royal official. Uh, the New Living Translation calls him a government official. This nobleman was a government official for Rome who worked for the king. And the king at this time would be King Ant- uh, Herod Antipas. Uh, Herod Antipas was this, one of the sons of Herod the Great. Remember, Herod the Great is the one who killed the babies in Bethlehem uh, when the wise men came. Uh, he is the son of Herod the Great. Interestingly, his mom was a Samaritan. Uh, and uh, Herod Antipas is the one who ordered the beheading of John the Baptist. This nobleman is a Roman. He's not a Jew. He's a Roman. He's a Gentile. He is the enemy of the Jewish people. And yet his son is sick. We read later his son is sick with a fever. His son is near death. Uh, They didn't have children's Tylenol back then. Uh, And this guy, his son is dying. uh, And he is desperate for his child as any parent would be. Somehow he's heard about Jesus, this, this Jewish miracle worker. Uh, And when you're desperate, especially for your children and you're out of options, uh, you'll try anything to save your child. Now, some commentators believe that uh, because he was a a royal official, a Roman official, uh, that he he lived in the city of Tiberias there on the Galilee because Tiberias was the capital, the Roman capital of the Galilee, and that he didn't actually live in Capernaum, but that he took his sick son the five miles from Tiberias to Capernaum because that's where Jesus lived. Jesus lived in Capernaum with his disciples. But when he arrived in Capernaum, Jesus wasn't there. Uh, Somehow this nobleman, this Roman official, learned that Jesus was in Cana. Uh, Cana was about 20 miles from Capernaum, all uphill in the snow. No, not in the snow, but it was all uphill for 20 miles. Uh, You know, uh, Capernaum is 600 feet below sea level. Cana is 1,500 feet above sea level. And so it's, it's very steep. It's a very steep walk, or if he's riding on a horse, we don't know. Uh, but it's, it's a very uphill journey, very long, difficult journey from Capernaum up to Cana. And so this, this nobleman, he left his sick child in Capernaum with some of his servants, and he made that 20-mile journey up to Cana. How gut-wrenching was that to leave your son behind who's near death? And you're out of options now. But to have to make the decision that I'm going to, I'm, I have to leave my dying son with my servants, leave his bedside, and I'm going to make this 20-mile journey because I've heard about this guy named Jesus. And he's got no guarantee that Jesus is still going to be there when he gets there. He can't call ahead. He can't call Jesus and and explain his situation and just ask Jesus to come down to Capernaum. He doesn't know that Jesus is still going to be in that town when he gets there. He has no guarantee that Jesus will come with him back to Capernaum. It could be a totally wasted trip. His son could die 
on the way to Cana or back to Capernaum. There's a lot of risk involved here. I'm sure it's a very difficult uh, situation, very difficult decision for this father. I find it interesting that uh, he felt like he himself should go in person to Cana to try to persuade Jesus to come back, that he, he couldn't trust his servants to do that, that he needed to go himself, uh, which I think is just an indication of how desperate the situation was. He was not going to accept no for an answer from Jesus. Verse 47 tells us uh, the, the nobleman went to Jesus and begged him to come down to Capernaum and heal his son, he says, for he was at the point of death. He's about to die. And just for you note takers, notice that he says, come down to Capernaum. You know, the, the ge- geography is correct here in the Bible. You would go down from Cana to Capernaum. Now look at verse 48. <clears throat> Jesus said to him, to the nobleman, but when he says, he says to all of the crowd that's gathered there, unless you people, so he's not really talking to this guy, this Roman, he's talking to the crowd, the Jews there in Cana, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. They're just, they're just following Jesus for the miracles, not because of who he is. And here this guy comes, and he needs a miracle. And the crowd is thinking, all right, here we go. He's going to work a miracle. And they're all excited. Let's see what he does. See if he heals a Roman's kid. And Jesus, you know, kind of bluntly rebukes the crowd and says, you, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And, and I, don't, I don't personally believe that he's saying this so much to that Roman official. Uh, the Roman official, he's a Roman. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what's going on here. So the Roman official in verse 49 said to Jesus, Sir, come down before my child dies. You know, it's almost as if he's, hey, I, I, I don't know what you've you got going on with all these people here or what you're addressing. You've ever been in that situation where you can tell that somebody is addressing something uh, and you're not really sure what's going on, but you can tell something's being said. You ever been in that situation? I've been in a church service where it was clear that a pastor was rebuking his congregation for something. We were just visiting for the day. We were on vacation kind of thing. And it was like, man, something's going on here. And he is laying it on him thick, right? So, you know, for him, maybe that's kind of what it's like. like yeah, I, don't, I don't know what you got going on with these people here, but could you come before my child dies? And I want, if you're a note taker here, the word that he uses here for my child, uh, that, is a, that is a very, uh, in the Greek, it's a very tender word. It's, it's a term of affection that a parent would use for their child. Will you come before my little boy dies? It's kind of the idea here. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray too for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you that they would be protected from the enemy and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. 
our time with you is at an end for today, we'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth. Recognize her.